It is, as it ever is, Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. It's the fourth episode of the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. I am Mike Fleischman. Thank you so much for joining us today on Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. With me, as always, once again, here he is. It's Matt Melamsetter. Hey, man. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. Um... You know, beautiful day. Everyone's right on time. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, I was, I was, I was an hour late to this podcasting. I was, eat, I just ordered pizza, and I was spaced out, and it took me an hour to get down here, and I felt horrible about it. Thankfully, Mike <laughs> had other things thankful, to do. Thankfully, I brought it up as soon oh, as I started. Yeah, oh God. <laughs> just to, just to make sure I, I nailed that one. Oh. Um, it's, it's not live, so we can record it when we need to, and yeah. So being a little late is all right, and the pizza thing, man. I've had pizza on my brain. It's, it was since last pizza. night. Did you have pizza last night? No, I just I it like formed an image in my mm. mind where after dinner it was a good dinner I had last night. And What'd all, you but, have for dinner? Um, I had beef stroganoff. Oh, yeah, whoa! Pretty, did you cook it? Yes, I did. Great job. Of course, I did. I know you're a great cook. And I, I just I'm sitting back, getting ready to go to bed. I'm like. I should bring pizza into my life soon. Mm, you should. Soon. Is there any good pizza places by your house? Vito and Nick's. Vito and Nick's. Uh, seven, <gasps> eight, <gasps> I need to go to Vito and Nick's. Yeah, I've do. had Vito and Nick's on my list for pizza places for a really long time, and I've been ruling it off just because it's so far away from where I live. Yeah, like 30 blocks south of uh, south of where I'm at. Yeah, so not like super close, but closer than, than where y'all are. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm doing... I'm feeling like maybe... Maybe Saturday might be a veto in next day. Mm. They get real busy on Saturdays, but I wouldn't mind waiting for waiting for a table. They have one draft beer and it's old style. That's all. And I just appreciate a place that's like, well, we could add more draft beers, <laughs> or we could just order more old style. And they're like, uh, let's just order more old style. So that's actually my icebreaker question, <laughs> strangely enough, is uh, what's the best pizza in Chicago? P- Chicago, of course, a place that has pizza controversies. Mm-hmm. People like to argue about pizza because we don't have enough um, real shit to argue about no. in the world. So uh, favorite Chicago pizza? Favorite Chicago pizza is Pequod's. Hey, that's um, the right answer. Um, Webster and Clybourne? Mm. Pequod's is the best pizza in Chicago, and I don't think it's even close. I haven't had Vito and Nick's, which I've heard is top five, but man, oh man, Pequod's is, I think, the perfect pizza. Man, Pequod's is very, very it's good. It's so good. Uh, there, and it's little touches, the cheese mm. on your salad is cut into a little shape of the Pequod's whale. What? I've ordered a salad from yeah, Pequod's. Yeah, I've which... never ordered a salad from yeah. Pequod's. If I go to Pequod's, we're full pizza all day, baby. Yeah, um, real, real fine pizza. Vito Nick's, of course, just thin crust. Mm-hmm. So Pequod's, what they're doing with the pan pizza and all that. Like Groundbreaking. I put, I, I put them, yeah, one in one hand, one in the other hand. Completely separate types of pies. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Vito and Nick's for like my, my favorite pizza because it's very close to me. It's mm-hmm. very affordable, and it's the kind of place where like I have an order. It's just I, I already know what I'm getting What's when I order? walk in. It's a pitcher of old style for, mm-hmm. for me and the wife, mm-hmm. and then it's a Vito and Nick's special pizza, which is sausage, mushrooms, onions, and peppers. Wow. And comes on a thin crust. you got to wait a little minute for it. It's typically busy place. Typically very busy place. There's 
carpet on the walls. Whoa, what? I'm gonna yep. try and find a picture of this. There is there is an old there's like old dudes at the bar who have been there since the 1980s, just at this uh, at this bar drinking their old style, getting their pizza. Um, it it's a spot, man. Vito and Nick's best uh, best pizza on the south side, but Pequod's. It, what I like about Pequod's is that. Well, I like a lot of things about Pequod's. I love everything about Pequod's. The environment, the. I think a lot of their food is good. I've had their pasta as well as their pizza. I think their pizza is the best of the best. I think what they do with that crust. Oh, man. Oh, man. Man, pizza is so good. So, yeah, that's that's a good good pizza segment to start us off. Um, I just I, I want to tell everyone who's listening to this to Google Vito and Nick's Pizza and just look at the Google images for the pizza. And you're going to lose your mind. It's I, toasted. Mike watched me open up the images of the pizza and recline in my chair with my hands over my ah. eyes. because And with a big, deep exhale, because it just looks like perfection. It's satisfying. Just the images make me full. There's a thing that they do that I really like, is that when your pizza's about to come out of the oven, the server will come by and tell you... <laughs> And it's happened like clockwork every time I've been there. It's not like an accident or something that's just sort of happening. It's like baked in <clears throat> to their uh, to their service is that they're going to tell you like, well, it's almost ready. It's like, like the Chick-fil-A, my pleasure. Yeah, you could, everybody's got to do it. You could start salivating now <laughs> if you want, if you haven't already been watching all these folks around you get their get their pizzas as as you're waiting. Um, Packers podcast. That's the thing that's going on right now. This well, there's cheese on pizza. True. Yes. Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Be w- watch out for the favorite cheese question. Mm. That's uh, that's That'll coming. Catch me off guard. Coming soon. Yeah. I, I don't know if you're as much of a cheese expert as as I am. Uh, yeah. Simple answers are allowed. You know, just don't say Velveeta, and we're gonna be all right. <laughs> this is the <laughs> NFC North preview episode. The Packers are in a division inside the NFC. It's called the NFC North, and there are four teams in it. It's the Packers, the Bears, the Vikings, and the Lions, and we're going to take a look at the offseason that uh, the other three teams have had, and then at the end we're going to come back around to the Packers, talk a little bit about some of the some of the other gossipy garbage going on mm. around, around Packerland these days. So we're going to begin it with the Chicago Bears, finished last season 5-11, and 11, which is a really good record considering what their roster was and who their coach was and all that. We wanted to start this off with a favorite Packers Bears recent memory, favorite favorite thing that's happened with the Packers and the Bears. Mine has to be John Fox challenging his way out of a touchdown. What's yours? <laughs> Mine is uh, the Aaron Rodgers to Randall Cobb uh, touchdown in the late fourth quarter a couple years ago to send us to the playoffs. Also no, very good. Mm, not to send us to the playoffs. Sorry, that was the Jordan Nelson one. I'm the, I'm Randall Cobb was to win the week 17. Okay, I was right. To was, make the playoffs. It was to make the playoffs. I was right. Okay. Aaron Rodgers to Randall Cobb to make the playoffs. John yeah. Fox challenging his way out of his job is what he did That's there. A, that was a hilarious moment. I... I love I love the unintentional comedy of it, and I I love just as I'm watching it, I'm shouting about it. Like <laughs> I am not I'm not a football expert. I can't tell you what a catch is or anything. I'm just like a guy, you know. I'm just a guy in a shirt, but I did know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
before the announcers did, long before John Fox did, because John Fox didn't know it was going to happen until the referees told him that he just challenged himself out of his, out of out of first and goal at the one. He didn't challenge himself out of a touchdown. He challenged himself out of first and goal at the one. Practically it was, a touchdown. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was like that fumble occurred in the end zone because it was on the pylon that's a touchback. You just know what's happening. Oh. All right. The Chicago Bears, who are awesome and challenged their – Yeah, no, they're great. Head coach challenged his way out of being employed. Good on you, John Fox. New head coach is Matt Nagy. Mm-hmm. Matt Nagy coming over from Kansas City with Andy Reid's program. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Uh, he were, he was the offensive coordinator there. They have what they believe is a franchise quarterback in Mitch Trubisky, who is entering his second year. He's 4-8 and eight as a starter so mm-hmm. far. He looks okay, right? Yeah, he's been fine. I Mitchell Trubisky was so limited in what plays they allowed him to run last season. Um, Fox constrained that offense so much. I, I, I think that Mitchell Trubisky can be something going forward, and Matt Nagy will kind of open up the playbook. We'll see really what they have in Trubisky this year. I see shades of what's happening in Green Bay as well with the with the new offense coordinator and mm-hmm. the idea that we're going to open it up, we're going to go vertical. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see Trubisky's got, got a bit of an arm He's on him. He's got a big arm. Yeah. Uh, John John Fox, just the... the Three-yard dive on second and eight. Yeah, it'll, <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, let's let's go off tackle third and eleven. There was never really any attempt to let Trubisky play football last season, which you can argue as to whether or not that's smart or not. Because there were times where he did attempt to play football, and and it went about as you'd expect yeah. for for a rookie quarterback. But they have to think that this guy has has it going has has what they need there, and that's good. And they've tried to put a lot of people around him that that are going to make him better. And you can't do it all in one offseason, which I think is the biggest thing with the Bears is that I'm hearing I'm hearing what I call the, uh, the L optimism, where I'm on the L trains and I mm-hmm. hear optimism about the Chicago right. Bears. Um, you just can't do it all in one offseason. There aren't enough players out there. Uh, but bringing in Roquan Smith in the draft, signing Allen Robinson. Mm-hmm. Their top three picks are linebacker and then center and wide receiver. It was Miller, the wide receiver that they got in the third round. Out of Memphis? Yeah, these these are good ideas because you have one, two wide receivers all of a sudden. You have two running backs, both of which look to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. You have a brand new anchor of your offensive line, where if you're taking an offensive lineman in the second round, dude better be starting for yeah. you. And they already had a decent offensive line mm-hmm. last year. So it, it's an improvement upon what they already had. Yeah, you're talking about moving Cody Whitehair to guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got like long, your new center in the middle, and then white hair, and you hope that that works for you. So like that is probably probably good. I've got the rest of their their like free agent tracking up. They're bringing in uh, Tyler Bray, who I have no idea who that is. A couple of new tight ends in Trey Burton, and uh, and another guy who's down further on this list. Benny Fowler is a wide receiver I've never heard of. Taylor Gabriel I have heard of. Mm-hmm. And then on the defensive side, Aaron Lynch, yeah, who is uh, pretty good. And Allen Robinson, of course, and then Earl Watford, who's a random offensive lineman for the Cardinals. They re-signed Sam Acho, who is a decent linebacker. Prince of Mukamura, who um, 
you know, I'd rather him be on the Bears than you know <laughs> some other team. <laughs> He's bad. I, I don't get the Prince of Mukamura hype. Never have. Josh Bellamy is a wide receiver who's done very little. Daniel Brown comes back. Callahan, Cooper, Cunningham. All these are uh, defensive backs. Benny Cunningham's a running back. Uh, I guess he's a third string. And Pat O'Donnell, the punter's back. So yeah, hey, there you go. A lot of punting last year. He did a good job. Uh, I think the biggest signing for the Bears is Allen Robinson. Yeah. Um, Kendall Wright left. He's with the Lions now. He was, I guess, their number one receiver last year. There was not really any good receivers on the Bears last year, which is a big reason why Trubisky wasn't allowed to throw the ball much as he had no one to throw it to this year with Allen Robinson uh, drafting Anthony Miller in the third round out of Memphis he's going to have a few options it's they're definitely the worst receiving core in the NFC North Mm -hmm. still but it's a step up and an improvement from where they were last year. Yeah, just can't, you cannot do it all in one offseason, but mm-hmm. they did a little bit. They have football players now. Yeah. Uh, looking at some departures, of course, Mike Glennon, who, who is so bad that Adios. I forgot he existed, yeah. is uh, apparently with the Arizona Cardinals. What did we, what did we call Mike Glennon last week? Um, a golem. Yeah, a golem. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a, I am, a quarter, I am quarterback. Um, <laughs> Christian Jones is gone. Uh, Josh Sitton can now go be out of shape down in Miami. Mm, cool. Um, yeah, Kendall Wright is gone. And then, um, yeah, they might uh, they might have some options as as to whether or not they're going to bring back Lamar Houston, possibly Dontrell Inman. But uh, they're going to finish last in this yes. division this year if yep. the Lions don't. Yeah, it's, bad a, things, it's a race to the bottom. Bad things would have to happen to the Lions for them to finish below. I, I'm actually... My prediction for the Bears is 4-12 and 12 this mm-hmm. year, actually one win less than last year because they have to play six games against three teams that got better. The three teams... Two teams which got a lot better. Mm-hmm. One team that made a slight step up and despite... I think the Bears had a pretty darn good offseason, but they didn't make as much in ways with the division rivals as they would need to. Yeah, I don't see I don't see this year's schedule favoring them. That takes us to the team that went nine and seven last year. I see them at eight and eight and possibly seven and nine this year, the Detroit Lions, who have a new head coach who's found himself in the news for all the wrong reasons before he's done a single thing. It's Matt Patricia. What happened with Matt Patricia? There's a, a story from 1996 or 1997. He was... Indicted. In, he was indicted. Okay, there he we go. Let's Yeah, let's use the right terms. He was indicted for a sexual assault in like the mid-90s. Okay, I've got the... I pulled up the uh, court report. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, there we go. I mean, it was uh, March 15th, 1996. All right. And that's... That's... I'm I'm surprised that this comes out now because this this is you know public records are in fact public records mm-hmm. <laughs> you can find out about them whatever you want yeah, the Detroit it, Lions had to know about seconds. this yep and this comes out now and you know we are having we are having a much needed moment in our culture where mm-hmm. we are taking a real hard look at how men behave yeah. and what it is they get away with and what it is we permit them to do in our world I'm gonna stand on my soapbox here for a minute, yeah, and please do. the idea that like somehow Patricia has like gone through all this and has never had to a- be asked about this, I think speaks to why we're having this moment yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. Is that, that like, it took it took how, now? It took till now. Yeah. It took till 
like months after he signed with the Lions for this to even come out. It's uh, how long was he with the Patriots? A long time. A right? very long time. Uh, this is just absurd. And sort of a media darling with the Patriots yeah. because he just look, you know, look like caveman. Look like caveman. Eat, play football. Yeah, eat pencil. <sighs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, they have they have their new head coach, and immediately, you know, it's it's just a matter of like it can never just be about football with the Lions. It's nope. got to be about like you know. Why'd you hire this guy? Could we talk about this before you hire yeah. this guy? Like, could we, like, there, this feels like something that you want to have a, a conversation about. Yeah. And, oh, geez. Um, so, new head coach Matt Patricia, uh, they have franchise tagged and will presumably re sign Ezekiel Ansa, mm-hmm. which I like. I like Zeke Ansa. I like, he's a, he's a smarter football player than I think he gets credit for because mm-hmm. you talk about him as in the context of like, you know, the athleticism. Yeah. But like, he's incredibly savvy mm-hmm. along the defensive line. He does, he does a lot with, with not a lot of pounds on him. Like, mm-hmm. he moves people and he understands he's getting good. through lines in, in a major way. I like, mm-hmm. I like Zeke Ansa. I think he's their best player who isn't named Stafford. Mm-hmm. So he's back. Uh, they completely remade their linebacking core. Kennard, Jones, and John Freeney come in. All their linebackers are gone. They completely remade their their uh, their tight end rotation with uh, with Levine and Toy Lolo. Toy Lolo's in from Atlanta, and Levine is in from somewhere else entirely. And Luke Wilson as well, out of the from the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, that's I wrote I wrote Levine because I'm a crazy person. I meant to write Wilson. Okay, this podcast is so good today. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 going great. Yeah, we're Luke doing... Wilson, Wilson and Toy Lolo. So Wilson mm. from the Seahawks and Toy. No wonder I don't know where Levine plays. I because uh, he doesn't exist probably. Uh, those are those are good signings. So you've got five dudes who catch ball because mm. Jones Jr. Tate and Galladay are mighty good. Mighty good, and I mean, take this with whatever grain of salt you apply to Pro Football Focus. Pro Football Focus ranked the Detroit Lions as the number two wide receiving court mm-hmm. in football last season, and I don't think they're really wrong. Marvin Jones Jr. had a heck of a He's season. He's very good. He's very good. He broke out last year, had his first 1,000-yard season, uh, and did so with a ton of great, exceptional plays. He is great uh uh, Golden Tate continued his string of 90-catch, 1,000-yard seasons. I think it's his fifth or sixth straight year. I can't stand Golden Tate. Hey, I, every time, every game we play the Detroit Lions, I feel like the Golden Tate makes some stupid catch for a first down, and I hate him. I can't stand him. I don't like he's, and, you know, He's one of those guys where you know, he, he's got that Draymond Green mm-hmm. irritating to him, mm. where like he's so bold yeah. and he's so confident, and he's also just... Remember when he did that flip into the end zone to uh-huh. over the, <laughs> to yeah, beat the Vikings? Yeah, <laughs> that was ah, yeah. I love that. Me and you disagree on this kind of thing because I love Demarius Randall for that aspect <laughs> as well. I loved when Demarius Randall had the pick six on the on the Cowboys and threw up the Des Bryant X. <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> if you know, if if the Packers all of a sudden bring in Golden Tate, though, yeah. I'm I'm the first I'm, one like applauding on that. Like, yes, yes, <laughs> give me this this bold barbecue sauce. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do like a little sriracha mm. on the uh, on the burrito. So I just when 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 he is your rival, yeah. when he's playing for the other team, though, he's just he's he's such a heel. He's a he's perfect aggravating. heel. Yep. Uh, yeah, so Golden Tate didn't see much of Galladay in the uh, in the games that the Packers had against him this year, and I I don't watch the 
Detroit Lions okay. when they're not playing the Packers. Sorry, Brendan Welper. Yeah, I don't think you're really missing out on a ton. Uh, Kenny Galladay had a decent season. I think he had like 500 yards. Uh, a breakout year for a third receiver. I don't think he's anything that's going to be a number one wideout, but he's a good option for their number three. Mm-hmm. And then their draft is center, running back, and then safety. They uh, they have a couple of power runners now mm-hmm. in in their wheelhouse, and I wanted to talk about this in the context of like what it does for the wide receiver core to uh, to have uh, the running back they drafted, and then Garrett Blunt as yeah. their as their free agent signing. Yeah. Legarrette Blunt, a man who run at you. Legarrette Blunt run hard, run into end zone. Yeah. Legarrette Blunt scores a lot of touchdowns. What did he have a few years ago with the Patriots? He had like 17. He's an end zone finding machine. And and he's a guy who's a perfect complement to a a fresh out of college running back who wants to run from the look of it in a similar style to like Garrett Blount, and they want to be powerful, and they want to concentrate on running between the tackles, which is such a nice move for a team that has has guys that you can really spread. You have three wide receivers that you can spread, and you know, Toy Lolo is a bigger tight end, mm-hmm. but Luke Wilson's not. No, Luke Wilson's he's a, a small quick, man. He's a small yeah. man, but he's a quick guy. Uh, and you've got a quarterback with an absolute hose of an arm who can throw the ball all over the field. It's they they've got a lot of options now and and they also have Amir Abdullah who they've struggled u- utilizing in the run game over the last few years but is another s- fast speedy spready option. And I just I love the idea of your if you run on the inside and the defense anticipates it your play action not only draws up but mm-hmm. draws in. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden your guys on the sidelines where Stafford likes to throw yeah. have a little bit more room and your safeties are out of position in your in your like middle middle zone routes mm-hmm. in that like 15 yards like past cornerback before mm-hmm. before safety there on the inside they're coming towards the sidelines. I like it a lot. It's it's a good thing I just don't quite know I don't know that the Lions have the front four defensively to make anyone react to what they they play on defense right Ezekiel Ansa is very good and they're going to have three new linebackers who are all presumptive starters for them first year in the system there's there's nobody that I'm really scared of on that line because it, hey if it's Ansa you know just Make him run laterally all game, mm-hmm. and like stop trying to you know get him to where he's not just coming upfield at you all game. You know, run a draw or two and try and neutralize him that way. Try to get him thinking a little bit. But other than that, like who on the Lions are you really scared of on defense? Like who who makes you think like oh we're not going to put up twenty four today? Uh, the Lions have a pretty darn good secondary, is my opinion. I really like Quandre Diggs, and I really like Glover Quinn. And this addition of um, they drafted a safety in the third round. I forget his name. Um, they already had the basis of a pretty darn good defensive defensive back core. Uh, Quandre Diggs is a ball. Hawking cornerback Glover Quinn is a ball hawking safety who can lay the smack down. Uh, you're right in that their front four struggles at times, but I think they do have a pretty darn good uh, secondary. I just I just wonder if they're putting they're going to get too much work put on them. Yeah, they're not they're not scaring anybody. This is not a secondary that anybody in the NFC North needs to be scared of outside of Mitchell Trubisky, but it's better than nothing. 
It truly is. And uh, look out because right behind, right behind Stafford, Matt Castle. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> hey, out. Matt Stafford, don't get hurt. Eric Ebron no longer on the team, yeah. so that's a tight end who doesn't doesn't underwhelm. Might be might be the addition mm-hmm. that they need. It's the Lions, though. You trust that they're going to find a way to mess something up? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, no prediction of the Lions. Anybody that predicts the Lions are going to be ten and six this year is a crazy person. The Lions, Lions are going to find a way to be the Lions every single year. They'll find a way. Yeah, I feel all right with them at eight and eight. Yeah, I think that's a safe prediction. So that that's the Detroit Lions, the Minnesota Vikings, mm. the team that they're my pick to win the NFC North. Uh, as as much as I'm a partisan, yeah, they are so good. They're really, really, really good, and they had a fantastic offseason. They did. They were 13 and three last year. I've got them at probably 12 and four or 14 and two. Wow, somewhere definitely double digit wins for yeah, them. Absolutely. I yeah. I was going to say 11 and five or 12 and four would be my bet. One of two teams that didn't change their head coach in the NFC North mm-hmm. this offseason because Mike Zimmer is very good. Uh, they did remove they they removed all of their quarterback. I guess not controversies, but they removed all thoughts about any quarterback mm-hmm. that they had last season and replaced every thought about quarterback with Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, a pretty darn good quarterback. He's well. an okay quarterback. He's an okay guy. Uh, I think immediately the Vikings, with the addition of Kirk Cousins, are exponentially better than they were last year. Case Keenum was not bad. Case Keenum was not great either. He was good enough to get you into the playoffs. He was not good enough to take you to the Super Bowl. Kirk Cousins is a quarterback that can take this roster to the Super Bowl. We were talking earlier about how the Detroit Lions had the number two uh, wide receiving core in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. The Minnesota Vikings had number one. Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs are both number one talent, number one talent wide receivers. These guys are both really darn good. Stephon Diggs was the number one wide receiver in the NFL last year on 50-50 balls. Uh, Adam Thielen was number six. To give Kirk Cousins the ability to throw a ball in their relative area and have them have them make a play is unreal, man. It's this that offense can be scary. They get Dalvin Cook back next year. Yeah, yeah, that I was going <sighs> to mention Dalvin Cook. They no longer have have uh, Jarek McKinnon in the running back depth, depth chart, but Dalvin Cook on his way back. That guy looked so fantastic before he went down. And as much as I root against the Vikings, it was a shame to see him see him go mm-hmm. out. They also made a trade for Trevor Simeon, yeah, who has 25, 24, a fair number of NFL starts. He's an NFL starting quarterback mm-hmm. for, yeah, admittedly the Broncos who like don't need their offense no. to do what they do. But backing up Cousins is a guy who can run an NFL team, and it's just another one of those small moves. Like I didn't hear anything about it today, and to, when I'm like, let's Google Minnesota Vikings offseason, and then it's like they acquired Trevor Simeon. I'm like, who are these smart people? Yeah. My goodness, Kendall Wright, of course, coming over from the Bears. Mm-hmm. They might regret letting yeah. him go to yeah. a division rival. Tom Compton also doing the same thing, uh, shoring up their offensive line. Uh, Sheldon Richardson is now on their defensive line, which was good before he arrived. And they got back just about everyone. They got Cheryl's back. Go down the defense, the guys that they re-signed. They re-signed their secondary. They re-signed Waynes, Newman, Kendricks, Harris, and Cheryl's. 
who is a, a you know a, a nickel dime corner and also a returner. Those guys are so good, and most of them are in a position where they can be better this year. Yeah, the Vikings did an incredible job keeping everybody together and also improving their depth at most positions while also improving at quarterback. At quarterback, they had so much money sunk into the position last year because they had three guys that were starting quarterbacks. And letting them all go, turning that money just into Kirk Cousins alone, and then also the depth on the defensive line, getting Kendall Wright, who was the number one receiver in Chicago last year, taking that talent away from a division rival and then making that your number three receiver, they just got better basically in every way. They are they are a scary team, mm-hmm. and they they very well. And based on what I see in the preseason, we'll have more prediction shows. They could be my early pick for the NFC Super Bowl uh, participant, mm-hmm. <laughs> if if that's the word I'm looking for. I guess. Yeah, close enough. The right? NFC Super Bowl attendee. Yeah, attendee. That's <laughs> yeah. good. It's like a conference. Yeah, the Super Bowl is like a big old conference. Um, get your name tag from uh, from Sheila up front and uh, <laughs> step on in. We're gonna have coffee and uh, later on with some cookies that were manufactured in the previous decade. Just looking at who left the Vikings, like none of these guys matter in the slightest mm-hmm. bit. Shamar Steven. Uh, he left the Vikings. Oh, that's okay. Tom Johnson, Jeremiah Searles, Emmanuel Lamar, Jarius Wright, Tremaine Brock, Jarek McKinnon, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford, Case Keenum, and Kyle Carter. Those are those are the losses. I mean, McKinnon and the, the quarterbacks Vikings. are the only losses, but McKinnon's replaced by Dalvin Cook coming off injury. Uh-huh. Dalvin Cook's a lot better than Jarek McKinnon was, and those three quarterbacks are replaced by uh, Kirk Cousins, who's better than all of them, and Trevor Simeon, who's... Probably better than Sam Bradford. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, probably he he'll stay upright for a whole season. Trevor Simeon's a thirteen and eleven, has a thirteen and eleven record in his career. He's a winning quarterback. He's not terrible. It's it's a pretty darn good backup to have. Yeah, I don't. I, every year it seems the Vikings do something just incredibly intelligent, mm-hmm. and you're left kind of shaking your head. Uh, last year it was signing Latavius Murray. Yeah, like he just randomly like. Not a great running back or anything, but like randomly just a very good running back. A good depth piece. Yeah. Is sitting there third on your depth chart. Teams would have started that guy. Yeah. And that's the thing with the Vikings, and that's I, I know I know the Packers and Brian Gutkunst are paying attention to this. Mm-hmm. What's making free agents pick Minnesota where they'll play less? Than other teams where they're where they'll possibly play more, like the weather's the same and or possibly worse. Mm-hmm. So what's the organization doing to get these guys to agree to these terms? And how do you how do you you know how do you steal from right. from that? You don't just borrow. You know the great ones steal. Yeah, how do you how do you take what uh, what Zimmer's doing and and put that in 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 your up north no fun around you football program? I, Zimmer, I have no idea because Zimmer is what the Vikings have been doing and what the Vikings are doing still is they're managing their cap extremely effectively. They don't have many years left before this whole defense falls apart. Every great defense will eventually meet its end when everybody wants more money. Yeah, windows open right now. Yeah, and the windows open right now, and they're taking full advantage of that. And what we've seen from our pack, the Packers front office over the last decade is that we've had a window with Aaron Rodgers, and it's just now starting to close, and we have not really taken full advantage of that window. Um, I don't know. We, we shall see, and... and for me, it's a matter. It's always this conundrum of like Mike Zimmer looks 
you know, flushed yeah. and upset mm-hmm. at all times. Like, he doesn't have the reputation as, like, the player's coach or the guy, like, the guy you're really going to love playing for. But yet, at the same time, like, he, you know, they keep on pulling in these these fantastic players who re-sign, who stay mm-hmm. around. They just re-sign mm-hmm. their secondary. You know, the re-signing the defensive line going to cost you more. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> they just they just got their, their secondary back, back in for you. So they are doing something right up there, and the players want to stick around. Mm-hmm. Both of those things are very important. And the Vikings are my pick to win the NFC North this year. This is a partisan podcast, but uh, on – Unless something very, very absurdly bad happens to yeah. them, they're going to keep it going. Is my my prediction? I th- I think they'll be one or two. I think it's I think it's us or the Vikings. I think the Vikings have made some big strides. I think the Packers have made some huge strides, and I'm really excited to see what Mike Pettin does on defense before I s- slap it down for the Vikings because I think I really like our new our new secondary, and I really like the addition of Pettin, and I think the the Packers could pull this one out. All right, so before we take a break, we completely forgot how we were going to structure these segments because it's the best day to do a podcast. Uh, Favorite moment against the Lions in recent memory? Mm, Favorite moment against the Lions in recent memory? I think that one's pretty easy. It's the Hail Mary. Yeah, it is. Actually, it is. I'll tell you a quick story about this. I went to bed before that play. Yeah, I know, man. Yeah, like, ease off. Um, I was working very early mornings at that point. Uh So I was staying up very late to watch that game. Like, I had to be at work at 4.45 the next morning. What were you doing? Were you... I was a baker. You were a baker. Yeah, I was was baking at that time. So I had to be to work. So I just... I thought it was over. I went to bed. And then my wife lays down next to me to come to bed. And I kind of stir and she sees that I'm still kind of awake a little bit. And she just goes, perfect deadpan. Packers won. (laughs) And I'm just like, how? She's like, oh, penalty gave him a free play. Hail Mary. Touchdown. (laughs) Darndest thing. (laughs) They never led for a single second in that game. The Packers won that game without leading for a single second. Unbelievable, and yeah, you watch yeah, watch the video of it the next day. I'm just like this; it belongs in a museum. It was unbel- it was unreal, <laughs> it was perfect. <sighs> so yeah, that's uh, that's for the Lions. We're we're in full consensus on that, and then Minnesota. I don't know what's yours. Oh, my favorite is the playoff game where Minnesota neglected to start a that's, quarterback. You're right. When they started Joe Webb. Yes. That's, yeah, yeah, that's a great one. After beating the Packers the week yeah. before. Starts Joe Webb, quarterback. Yeah, game's they, over. They go to Joe Webb, and it went about as you'd expect. Because mm-hmm. um, you do still have to start a quarterback yeah. in NFL. order to win in the NFL, uh, in case you were wondering. That's the kind of hard-hitting analysis you get right here. <laughs> On Cheeseheads in Chicagoland, the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers that you can download on iTunes or whatever um, whatever Android app that uh, that our podcast distribution service uses. I know so little about it. That's uh, that's what I'm doing here. I know even less. Yep. He's Matt Mellumsetter. He mm. knows less than I do. I'm Mike Fleischman. I know a shockingly small amount. He knows so much more than I do, I, too. <laughs> I know a shockingly small amount. So that uh, that sets us up real, real dynamic duo here of folks who know stuff. We're going to take a little bit of a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about talk about all the, my favorite Packers tabloid gossip mm. on Cheeseheads in Chicago land. Duh. 
Hey, it's Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. We are back. This is the part of the show where I plug our social media. Find us on Facebook at Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Like and follow us or whatever it is you do to us there. We're on Twitter at Cheesecagoland. Um, Basically, we're tweeting when we release episodes Mm -hmm. right now. During the regular season, I'm going to probably start live tweeting the Packers games from there or also turning that over to you Mm -hmm. if you have to, um, if you want to do that during games. I love that. Yeah, we could like simultaneously live tweet Packer games from Cheese Cago Land. So follow us on Twitter at Cheese Cago Land. There's no Instagram yet uh, because you can't really just like take a, you can take one or two pictures of the two of us. And then, then that would be the full use of our Instagram. Yeah, I page, think that would right? be. It. I, I, in, look, I think that one or two pictures of me is enough. I think if we just do like, if we make an Instagram post, two pictures of us, I think that's all that. That the would world be all needs. that we would do. And yeah. like, you can actually subscribe to, um, to my Instagram. I'm going to promote my own, my own shit. Now, I'm, I'm Mike Fleischman, by the way. That's Matt Malumsetter hey. over there. Um, once again, I'm at MP Fleischman on Twitter and Instagram, and I am a vain man. I am extremely vain. I take a lot of selfies, and I post some of them. As you should. Mike, I would recommend for everyone to follow Mike on Instagram. I think Mike's a fantastic Instagram follow. He posted one of the funniest Instagrams uh, of my life the other day, uh, of the Absolute Unit, which is ah. a funny painting that he has in his house. I have a, I have a, a, a print of a painting of a very large sheep. And it's. Uh, I can tell you right now, he's 100% right. That sheep is an absolute unit. Oh, it's, it's a, a big bull. It's a unit. It's in, a in unit. awe at the size of that lad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, credit Will Menneker on that. I, I don't. I can't. Uh, I can't back that one up. But oh, geez, yeah. Instagram is fun. I like taking photographs. I'm extremely vain. Mm-hmm. I I post selfies all the time. Do it. Um, yeah, I, I love it. It's at MP Fleischman. You're on Twitter and Instagram as well. Some of your recent uh, portraits, because yeah. they're not selfies. They're like, not people selfies. People are making portraits people, of you. People take pictures of me, and I post them on the internet. Um, I You can follow me on Instagram at, at Matt Mellumsetter or on Twitter at Mellumsetter. And it's L and no, it's not. There's not. It doesn't start with an L. It's M E L E M S E T E R. All E's, no double consonants. There you go. That's it. That's how you get it done. I'm I'm at M P Fleischman, Matt Mellumsetter, and Mellumsetter respectively for for your social media follows. Um, icebreaker question because we've just got like gossipy garbage oh, going yeah. on so far and i realized it's episode four i wanted to get into like actually talking about substantive like football stuff for sure. a minute before i get to mm-hmm. like this more masturbatory content of like who the heck are you who am i yeah uh what do you want to know about me i mean i guess just in general like all right you're doing a podcast but like like kind of where are you at like basic basic bio, biographical information like what brought you what brought you around sure i am uh, i was born in well i was born in omaha nebraska i was raised in aberdeen south dakota i moved to chicago for school i go to DePaul university i am a film and television major with a concentration in directing i'm a film director uh, i don't know i'm here in chicago because it's a good they got a good film school here at DePaul. Uh, who are you, Mike? That's that's not what are bad, you actually. To? I I want to I want to follow that up a little bit. Like, okay, all sure. right, like, 
usually when people get into things like, yeah, you know, I, I know I heard like a friend made me a mixtape and that made me a musician mm-hmm. when I was like nine years old mm-hmm. or 10 years old or so. I started hearing music and I started wanting to make it like what's that moment with you and directing film? Uh, I saw it's funny. I as like a junior in high school. I saw Drive, which is the 2011 uh, Nicholas Vinding Refn yeah. film starring Ryan Gosling, and it was the first time that I had seen a film and gone and gone. Okay, this isn't just entertainment. There's like an art to it. And it was the first time that I really appreciated a film as an art. And it's Drive is a relatively basic film. I think it's kind of indie film 101. I get called out on it, but I I, th- I think that that beyond that, there's a lot of depth to film, and I found I found it a lot in Chicago filmmakers, in guys like George Swanberg, and the whole mumblecore kind mm-hmm. of genre is where I've kind of landed and found my style and my individuality. Um, winning reference watched his Michael Mann, mm-hmm. really did. I, I both of them are very tight. Yeah. That's what I. That's what I liked about that movie is that it's extremely tightly constructed. It's, quick. it's very impeccably edited. Yeah. It's it's incredibly well lit, um, and you know it has a lot of logical camera work, mm-hmm. despite it, being how quick it is. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah. Drive is incredible. Yeah, uh, same here. Um, I'm Mike Fleischman. I'm I'm. I'm an older person. I was a bread baker for 14 years after I dropped out of college the first time. Mm-hmm. I was sort of a, a bad college student and also mediocre but dedicated musician <laughs> for uh, for my like teenage and early 20s years. And I didn't. Yeah, I'm working as a sports broadcaster now. This is like my my midlife crisis career, mm. and I I came to it very late in that like. Getting into sports was something that happened to me more in my twenties than than in my teens, where I was all about you know music and counterculture and all that, and like mm-hmm. it's all still awesome. But I really came into this from being from being a Packers fan and had the opportunity to go back to school and finish my my undergrad, which I did five years of undergrad from ninety eight to 03. I didn't graduate. Mm-hmm. It was a very exciting time in my life that I don't remember, <laughs> <laughs> and. And after yeah, after a long career as as a baker and being in in professional kitchens, I came back and am am doing something different now. Mm-hmm. You know, talking all this nonsense that I talk. So that just yeah, I wanted folks who you know, if you stuck with us to episode four, or if you've come in like if if this is the far flung future and we're actually <laughs> like into where the regular season episodes and you start coming in and being like, I want to go back through some of these episodes. Mm-hmm. Like that's who the heck we are. Uh, you know, we we're just uh, we're just two folks who who know a tiny bit about football, a little bit, love love the Packers. And that's that's kind of kind of where it's at. I wanted to get get that out there so folks would know who the heck we are. And now it's gossip time Let's on this Packers Packers podcast. Uh, should the Packers sign sign noted tabloid favorite Des Bryant, who is released from the Cowboys despite being most likely their third best player? Yeah. Yeah, I say yes. I say absolutely, and there shouldn't be a moment of hesitation. I would love Des Bryant on this football team. That that I'm I'm completely with you, and I want to I want to drop through some of the some of the arguments. People immediately will be like, "Well, look how Martellus uh, Martellus Bennett uh, panned out," and I just want to like draw a few like contrasts between mm-hmm. the Des Bryant and the Martellus Bennett situation. In that Martellus Bennett was brought in to play a position where the Packers had zero people. Yeah. And Bennett has a a reputation that is 
the returns on the football field have been diminishing for a while. Mm-hmm. As you know, I think it's becoming clear that like Martellus Bennett has a wide ranging set of interests that I don't know that they involve playing football for very much longer. No, and and he was already like you said it, it had been a couple of years of diminishing returns. He was kind of towards the end of his career, anyways. Mm-hmm. Regardless if he if he's being drawn drawn away from football for his uh, extracurricular interests. Well, it's he not just extracurricular. Like I don't want to. You know, he seems to be a very devoted like producer. He's working in entertainment. He's yeah. I he, didn't know he that. He produces a and is actually involved in the creation of like an animated kids show. Oh whoa! Like, yeah, he and. Uh, a lot of social justice causes. Like I don't want to. I I only, yeah. I only knew about the social justice causes. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to just label it as like extracurricular. Because sure, it seems extracurricular to be like, is a bad. It seems to be like term for me to use. One but. productive and like two like oriented towards like, you know, business. And it's mm-hmm. you know because a lot a lot of these guys are like, yeah, I want to get into the music business, and you're like, um, no, you really don't. Yeah. But Bennett seems to be like pretty. Mm-hmm. pretty deep into that stuff but yeah the Packers signing him that was a bad idea it might be one of those things that cost Ted Thompson yeah. his you know, his job yeah. in that that was a bad signing he did not you know clearly did not want to be there it didn't work out but there was no one else at tight end that was their option you bring in Des Bryant you have your top three wide receivers pretty much sorted already you have a bunch of young rookies who like the scouting report as we went over last episode is all tall fast raw yeah and all of a sudden Des Bryant becomes you know, it becomes Devontae Adams, Des Bryant, Randall Cobb in the slot, Geronimo mm-hmm. Allison as your fourth. Yeah. And you like that a whole lot. And I like I like the idea of putting someone proven out on the far side because I still don't like Cobb as like a end of the formation wide receiver. Yeah. And Cobb struggled uh, a few years ago when he had to play that boundary receiver role. He really, really struggled to be able to keep him in the slot. And have somebody better than Geronimo Allison on the outside would be huge. And Des Bryant, while he hasn't had a like a thousand yard season since 2014, he's still been pretty good. He's still not been terrible, and is more proven than anyone we've got in our rookies or even Geronimo Allison. I, I think there's I think there's a thing with Des Bryant where the the media's relationship to him and the media's relationship to the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Is is ridiculous. Like I, I lived in Dallas for three years. Mm-hmm. The the Cowboys media down there is, it's very very suspicious and very invasive mm-hmm. towards a lot of these players. And I don't, I don't think that Bryant has gotten the. You know, we've we've seen this done with that some talented skill players down there already who are. I'm not going to say that like Terrell Owens is a normal guy. Sure. You know, clearly, he's a strange <laughs> man. But he got, you know, he got the same kind of treatment. Or Des Bryant is getting the Terrell Owens treatment mm-hmm. by by the media down there. Of of like, you now why didn't you make the defense good, right, guy? Yeah, <laughs> like like someone, you know, fire fire that like fire that terrible head coach yeah. that they have if you want to make the defense good mm-hmm. now get wade phillips yeah <laughs> uh just get you know get these get these fools running the team out of there if you mm-hmm. want if you want the team to be good but it's uh, it's a lot easier to scapegoat scapegoat a young black millionaire yeah. than it is a uh, a rich texas oil man mm-hmm. 
a very white, rich very white, Texas oil man. Rich Texas oil man. Um, and so I think Des Bryant could use a change of scenery. I think that he has he has got a lot to prove to himself. He's a man whose motivation has been internal from the very beginning, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think that uh, if if there is a problem. If there's the slightest hint of of problems, like NFL contracts are not guaranteed, and a one year like a one year prove yourself deal is exactly what you want to give him right now, yeah. and it, that's what he wants. Mm-hmm. Is he turned down the Ravens' three year, twenty one million dollar deal in favor of pursuing a one year prove it deal. Um, like we said, Des Bryant hasn't been great since 2014, but he's been relatively injured in 2015 and 2016, and has struggled to connect with Dak Prescott since Tony Romo left. I think Des Bryant would fit in so well in this offense. Can you imagine, Mike, an offense with Des Bryant, six foot two, one of the best high point ball catchers in the NFL over the last decade, and also Jimmy Graham, and also Randall Cobb? He fits what the Packers are trying <sighs> to Devontae do right Adams. now. Oh, and, man. We've talked about it. what they want to do. Yeah. Is they want to run a vertical offense, and they want to use height and speed at yeah. the wide receiver. And immediately you have this guy who there are few people that I've seen play wide receiver mm-hmm. who have a better understanding of how to use their bodies and how to establish position and how to interact with people who are guarding them closely mm-hmm. and still get the favorable position than Des Bryant. There are some questions about the hands, but like, you know, this is not the bionic man we're building no. here. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, there's strengths and weaknesses to every football player, but his ability to be in a ball catching position, despite like being matched up consistently against the best cornerbacks in the NFL. It's outstanding. It's yeah. second to none. Yeah. And and I I he's been he's struggled since Tony Romo left. And I really don't think Dak Prescott is as good of a ball placer as Tony Romo was. And to put Des Bryant in a position where he can be receiving these back shoulder throws that are perfectly placed every time, these perfectly placed elevated balls like Aaron Rodgers is able to throw to Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb, if we put Des Bryant in that position, oh man, oh man. Yeah, it would, it would really be something. I would I would have a lot of fun yeah. watching that. I'd also have oh, a lot yeah. of fun dealing you know, watching the uh watching the reaction of the Packers fan community and like you know, I'm I'm not gonna pretend for a minute that like that like all the Packers fans are are great and wonderful people. Right. There's gonna be some outcry to yeah. the signing of Des Bryant. Um but it, it, Immediately makes this football team better. Yeah, yeah. There, there'd be absolutely no question about it. And I've just, I, the one thing I've never understand, like you can tabloid this guy all you want, but I've never understand the people who like question his like work ethic because it's the most obvious thing mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah, he works hard. He's, he's twenty. He, if you're in the league for seven years, eight years, nine years, you've got a work ethic. There's, It's not just natural talent on Des Bryant. Like you said earlier, he's internally motivated. He's a hardworking, strong-minded guy who wants a one-year prove-it deal. He knows that he's still worth something in this league. I say give it to him. Yeah, absolutely. That that would be... That'd be the easiest decision. I'd be, I'd, I'd be on on whatever whatever phones I had, yeah. <laughs> trying to trying to call it, whatever agency represents him or anything. Be like, what can we do? Like, Des, do you like cheese? Yeah, <laughs> do you like cheese? <laughs> How do you feel about the color green? <laughs> <laughs> like the, the the games that you play in December, where it's snowing sideways oh. and it's frozen and it's getting colder mm-hmm. and it's nighttime. You like that? You into that? 
good. Yeah, yeah, good because because uh, we've got those games available to you. So, yeah, let's uh, let's sign Des Bryant. Let's uh, let's get it done, Malam Setter. Des Bryant comes over. Is he wearing eighty eight or is Ty Montgomery sticking eighty? Oh, that would be that would be interesting. Is yeah. Um, I think it's too late to change numbers for Montgomery because I think you have to submit that. Like it's already been. So Des Bryant would have. To yeah, Des numbers. Bryant would have to wear wear a different number. That would be great. I'd love to see Des Bryant in like a number eleven. Be cool. Yeah, like you can't give him. You know, you can't give him eighteen because that Cobb's got that. Mm-hmm. So huh. Demarius Randall's gone, so there won't be any fighting there. They're gonna be chill out. I we we talked about that. We loved. I yeah. loved. The, I loved the Demarius we'll Randall the X. X. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Uh, Watch for the Browns on Hard Knocks. We can yeah, get a oh look my at God. Uh, we can get a look at them. Josh Gordon and Demarius Randall. Mm, that's going to be a thing. Be fun. Tune tune in on that one. I I'm curious to curious to see how that how that turns out and how uh how Baker Mayfield deals with uh oh my deals with his his first training camp being. Wait, is Hard Knocks really on the Browns this year? Yeah. Oh, I thought that was a joke. No, oh no. my god. No, no, I'm Oh no. I'm being actually serious. Oh here. my god. Oh yeah, that's gonna be fun to watch. Oh yeah. Oh boy. Do you have HBO? <laughs> nope. Oh no. Nah, I think I have HBO go through my cable provider. Ooh. I'm I'm check out this hipster bullshit right here. I really it. really am not into TV very much. I don't much. watch TV at all. So but I, I will tune in I will tune in to watch watch the Browns mm. go through go I'll through. I'll find a way knocks. to watch it online. Yeah, Baker Mayfield and Gordon and yeah. You know, Hugh Jackson just trying to. Hugh Jackson is trying to corral trying all to these cl- personalities. Yeah, climb a rope on fire, <sighs> and the thin rope. Oh, did they win a game this year? I think they win a couple of games I, this year. I said they were going to go eight and eight last year, so don't ever. The, okay, I'm not. I'm not answering <laughs> anything about the Browns. The Browns this year. are. You have Browns blindness. <laughs> is what's going on here. Final final order of business yeah. and everyone's favorite tabloid, Green Bay Packer. It's Aaron Rodgers and. My my question, my rhetorical question mm-hmm. is: So, do you give Aaron Rodgers all of the money, or yeah. just just most of the money so, that exists? Because there's big talk about you know every other quarterback was going to get their contract and get their structure, mm-hmm. and that you know, Rodgers and his agent were of course just waiting for the money to be handed out to uh, to Kirk Cousins and all these other Matt guys, Ryan. Matt Ryan. And once that all comes in, they know the floor yeah. from which yeah. they're bargaining. And you know, a lot of people, um, I don't know, a lot of people seem to resent the idea that Aaron Rodgers should be the highest paid. Like again, it's the the fan thing. I won't spend the entire existence of this podcast complaining about Green Bay fans or football mm, fans sure. in general. But it's this thing about the fans of like, you know, Aaron Rodgers should feel lucky to play for the Packers right. and should therefore do so at a discount because they're the greatest team. Like, yeah, we know that. It's, my it's dude. the idea that stems from kind of Tom Brady taking a slight pay cut. Uh, so that the Patriots can build out their roster more. It doesn't. The, in the grand scheme of things, the NFL salary cap is 177.2 million dollars. Aaron Rodgers taking 30 million or 8 million does not really change our ability to fill out this roster. No. Give Aaron Rodgers all the money you want, please. So much of the NFL's roster construction is based on cheap rookie deals, not on big name. Big money free agents. Give Aaron Rodgers as much money as you want. We're still going to flash out a good roster. We'll still be fine. It, it It's insane to expect him to take a discount, especially for the game that he's playing. Oh, if, my if, goodness. If no. he was playing a game that was not football, if any of these guys are playing a game that's not football, like golf maybe, 
If we were playing a non-contact sport, sure, fine, take a pay cut. You're playing football, make as much money as you need. Give them as much money as possible because these contracts are not guaranteed. There is no pension afterwards. There's no health insurance after you're done. He needs as much money as he can take. And and he's also the best at it. Yeah, ever. ever. <laughs> there's, that, there's that as well. He's also the LeBron James of football. So, have you seen the? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase it and do it badly. Mm-hmm. The the study that that actually tried to calculate LeBron James's actual value no. as towards what his contract should be based on, you know, but like comparing that to the actual maximum contract structure of the NBA, mm-hmm. which I think has a very good way of doing guaranteed contracts, actually. Fully still, like still, like was he was playing for something like half of his actual value yeah, to, to the team. And you know, that kind of thing is amazing. And if there's, you know, football is not... Football has a terrible contract structure, and in in my in my very leftist opinion, needs needs stronger union yeah. representation and needs needs better collective bargaining and far more solidarity yeah. to uh, to particularly make gains in how contracts for rookies and young players are structured, and they need a much better, safer system of guarantees and a long term health plan, and all of that should be basically assumed on which everything else should be built. Yes. Okay, like, uh, you know, um, Bernie Sanders-style rant over. At the same time, like, you need to give Aaron Rodgers as, as much money as, as mu- possible. I was saying before we came in here, like, you need to kind of listen to what his agent puts on the table and be like, <laughs> let's just add 5% yeah. to that. Yeah. Like, sh- like, kiss you on the forehead, like, hmm, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for keeping us relevant over the last 10 yeah. years. And thank you for not only being you know, the best quarterback in the league through that time, but also being one of the most compelling personalities mm-hmm. to ever have been a professional sports yeah. player. I mean, for, for me, it's it, the LeBron comparisons are, are there as well in that LeBron James is a very compelling human being, and he is just just almost ridiculously intelligent and so engaged in so many other things, mm-hmm. but also like incredibly focused on the sport and incredibly driven to be great at it. Like Rogers and him are on the exact same level in that like Rogers is a fascinating, diverse set of interests in his mind, mm-hmm. but you you never get the sense of like, Oh, is he too worried about like, you know, his next appearance on celebrity jeopardy to really be prepared for this season right. now. No, you never get that feeling. No. It's le- like LeBron's Hollywood production companies. LeBron's mm-hmm. producing films, but you never, ever would think that that's impacting LeBron's ability to be the greatest basketball top player of all time on the court. Yeah, that's and it's it's very much that with Rodgers in that, yeah, there's so many so many instances of him just like having having all these interests outside of football, but... Part-time Bucks owner? Yeah, part-time Bucks owner now. That's yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, Mike Budenholzer. Yeah, hey, new, I, I new like the hire. Coach. I like the hire. I was hoping for Dwayne Casey. I was hoping for Becky Hammond, but oh, those Budenholzer's fine. Yeah, to me, to me, like Budenholzer would have been like, like second or third on that list yeah. for me. Like it was. I don't think Budenholzer should ever be anybody's first pick. No, he's like, so really? boring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I would have loved Becky Hammond or Dwayne Casey. Yeah, yeah. For. Uh, yeah, for Kate, for Kate, like what put Casey over Hammond for me was just the uh, the years of experience, like not only coaching high level players, mm-hmm. but getting higher levels of play out of 
players that came in with very low expectations. Right. See Lowry, comma Kyle. Yeah. And uh, you know, taking Demar Derozan's game uh, from something based on athleticism t- to all of a sudden like just. DeRozan is a damn technician. Yeah, he's unbelievable in the mid range. Mm-hmm. He's he took a dying art form and made it relevant again. Yeah, and and the way you know his his team's just consistently like the footwork on him is mm-hmm. is fantastic. I and mean, Serge Ibaka is effective in that yeah. on that team. And their their benches are always fantastic yep. every year. It's a deep bench mob. No matter who's on that bench, that bench is always very good. Yeah, that to me was what put Casey over is that that there's established years of experience. Someone's going to give Hammond a shot, and it's going to yeah. be awesome. And I'm excited. She's been very successful with the Spurs. She won, was it back-to-back Summer League titles or just the one? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's still a Do- Summer League title. Matter. It's years of experience under Popovich, years of experience in her own playing career. I'm a big Becky Hammond fan. Yeah, I read a pro- profile or two of her when she first got that Spurs mm-hmm. job. And, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot to like yeah. just in, in how she approaches it. And, you know, you talk about someone who's, like, not at all scared to walk in as, like, the first female mm-hmm. assistant coach in the NBA. Like, it wasn't going to be anyone else. No, no. Yeah, because you just, like, there's just, like, the, the prototypical, like, well, what should the first female assistant coach in the NBA be like? Like, well, they should basically just be Becky Hammond. Yeah. <laughs> So there you have it. That's our Cheeseheads in Chicagoland for this week. Uh, we'll we'll probably probably take a little bit of time off because nothing's going to happen Nothing. for a little while. And we had a good uh, good preview. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Once again, we're at Cheesecagoland on Twitter. I'm Mike Fleischman. He is Matt Mellumsetter. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell your friends about us. Like, comment, and subscribe wherever it is that you feel like doing that. Just not on our pages, Mm -hmm. just on other people's pages. Like, have you heard of Cheeseheads in Chicagoland? Post that on post that on all your friends' Facebook walls. Uh, just post that on regular is, is walls. Face, is Facebook wall still a thing? Buy, I don't buy really spray paint mm. and post that on actual walls. Chalk and chalk it onto brick. Yep. Because that, that's not illegal. Skywriting. Mm. Yeah, rent out a plane, please. I'll, 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 hey, if anybody rents out a plane and skywrites, follow Chicagoland on Twitter. I will Venmo you $20. Yeah, I'll, I'll actually also do. I will download and install the Venmo app and Venmo you twenty dollars. <laughs> That's forty bucks. Yeah, That's forty big ones right there. Do it. That'll Somebody cover, out there, they'll do it. That'll cover five percent of what you spent to skywrite <laughs> that. Unless you like have your own skywriting apparatus already. I don't know. In which case, like I have several more suggestions <laughs> as to what you want to skywrite. But uh, yeah, until then, Matt, um, what do we tell them? Uh, I think we tell them to stay cheesy, baby. That's what we tell them. 